0: Hanging by your fingertips on the sheer face of an icy cliff. Suspended a thousand feet above instant death. With your strength running out. And with no chance for escape.
1: We offer you Escape. Designed to free you from the four walls of today... For a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to the cold loneliness of a glacier high in the Swiss Alps. And to a man who learned much about death. As C.E. Montague tells it in his famous story, Action.
2: High in the Swiss Alps, well above 12,000 feet, a man clings with desperation to the frozen glass wall of the Chaliyok glacier, hands and feet jammed into shallow steps, chopped in the iron-hard ice. A cold wind drives a spray of dusty sleet along the overhanging wall, and the sun has fallen away among the crags to the west. Darkness lies one hour ahead. The man has climbed with painful care a 1,000 feet up the glacier's face from the broken moraine at the foot, and has moved now onto the underside of a great bulge in the ice, a part of the wall which breaks out beyond the perpendicular. And the man is forced to hang from slots cut by his axe, such as a sloth hangs from a tree branch. Twelve more feet lie between him and the brow of the overhang, six more steps to be chopped out with the axe, and a thousand feet of void space waits beneath him. The man is unable to lift his heavy axe for even one more stroke. He is tired, and he is 52 years old no experienced mountaineer would ever attempt the west face of the Shaliyak Glacier. And yet, this man is an experienced mountaineer. And why? Why? What strange events have conspired to bring him along the path of his life and leave him hanging now in peril on the brink of eternity? Through what shadows has that path led him? And where are those who saw him pass? Can we ourselves move along it? Move back step by step against the river of time? Move backward along the life path of Christopher Bell? My name is
3: Jean Vajour. I'm a guide for all the mountain trails on the Ricehorn and the Chalethorn. I talked with Mr. Bell this morning as he was leaving the village. Though Of course, at the time, I did not know that was his name. The season is over, you understand. Winter will come in another week or two, and most all the visitors are gone. So, you see, I was very surprised to hear a stranger call out to me in English. Hello there. Uh... Which of these paths takes me to the foot of the Chalioch? The one on the left. But you will find no chimney there, sir. One arrives very soon at the glacier and can go no farther. Except, of course, to climb up it. The glacier? But that is impossible. It has never been done. Of course not. It's never been tried. There is not anyone who would be so foolish, monsieur. No,
4: it isn't that. There are plenty of foolish people in the world. But even they hold on to their marginal safety.
3: Uh, Margin of
4: safety? Yes. The difference between the point where a man thinks he's reached his limit and the point where that limit really is. (laughs) Uh, I'm afraid I do not understand this. All right. Take a mountaineer such as yourself. Uh Uh-huh. You look at a slope and you estimate the effort needed to climb it. Yes. Then you estimate your own endurance. And if there isn't a good size safety factor, just don't make the climb. But uh, it would be foolish not to do so. (laughs) I dare say. Oh, it's all tied up in the fear of death. You take that out of a man for one instant, there's no telling what he might be able to do or what limit he might reach.
3: Uh, And how, how should a man lose that fear?
4: He can't. He can't lose it. It has to be done for him. By things outside.
3: He turned and left me then, this Mr. Bell and walked up the path towards the glacier. That was early this morning, and I did not see him again. His talk with me made no sense, and I I could not understand what he meant to do or why he was going to do it. I remember thinking, what a strange man. But I really know nothing more about him. I believe he arrived in the village only last night and took a room in the Zinal Inn.
5: My name is Greta de Gaspar, and I am staying out the week here in Sinal to close up the inn for the winter. I have known Mr. Bell for the last 30 years, always before he came in the summer season for the climbing, and I was most surprised when he arrived last night. (laughs) I opened one of the rooms and I found something for him to eat and then later we sat and talked in front of the fire in the big empty lounge.
4: Ah. Now, this is very good coffee, Madame Gaspar.
5: Thank you, Mr. Bell. Had you let me know you were coming, I, I would have had everything ready for you, just like all the other times.
4: Like all the other times. Now this one's a little different, Madame Gaspar. You might call it a special visit.
5: Oh, it is all so different now from the old days. Then it was you and your madame would come here. And it was Gaspar and I. And the summers seemed to last forever.
4: I thought everything would last forever when she was alive. Now I'm really alone in the
5: world. As am I. And it is not good to be alone it gives one no reason for living
4: but there may be stronger reasons for not wanting to live
5: is is there something troubling you mr bell
4: no no not now there may have been but not now well, i shall be leaving quite early in the morning for a for a climb so i think i'll go on to bed good night madame gaspar
5: Mr. Bell left the inn this morning before I wakened, and I have not seen him again. I have never known him to act so strange before. I have no idea what, what the reason is or, or what he may be planning to do, but I am sure something is troubling him. Perhaps it may be something connected with his business in London. <laughs>
6: My name is Matthew Bruff. I have been chief clerk in Mr. Bell's London office over the past 25 years. I've always found him to be a considerate and dependable employer. I've never noticed anything you might call unusual about him until one day about three weeks ago. Mr. Bell entered the establishment a bit late, as I recall, and passed immediately into his own office without acknowledging my customary greeting. A little while afterward, he sent for me, well, Matthew, where do we go from here? Uh, I can't say that I follow you, Mr. Bell.
4: I mean the company's on a steady footing, so if we use our heads at all, we don't stand much chance of losing anything. Yes, our position is quite secure. On the other hand, we can't expect to do any more growing or through expanding. From now on, it's merely a matter of operation.
6: Uh, most enviable condition, sir.
4: Is it? There's nothing more to look forward to, nothing more to work for. So, where do we go from here?
6: Uh, well, uh, sir, Matthew.
4: I, uh, I'm putting you in charge of the business, turning it over to you effective this week. Mr. Bell,
6: you you can't possibly mean that. Oh, yes, yes, I've just decided. But uh, what are you going to do, sir?
4: I'm taking a trip. I'm going to Switzerland, maybe do a little mountain climbing.
6: Oh, uh, well, then at least it's only temporary, just for whatever time you're gone.
4: Yes, that's right. For whatever time I'm gone. Just for whatever time I'm gone.
6: Before the end of the week, he had arranged all the necessary papers and had left London. I haven't heard a word from him since, though I presume he's somewhere in Switzerland. Actually, however, I haven't the faintest idea where Mr. Bell may be right at this moment.
2: On the glacier, minutes pass, and the shadows grow longer from the jagged peaks to the west of the Chaliot and reach out with dark fingers toward the man who clings to the icy wall. The man's thoughts have grown as unwieldy as the heavy ice-axe gripped in his hand. He keeps trying to remember that he is Christopher Bell, a human being, and not a part of this free and empty space. For he knows if he stops remembering that, he may forget all else, too. And then, let go.
6: There's been no reason for trying to locate Mr. Bell... ...since nothing of any importance has occurred during these three weeks. I'm sure he's quite all right. Only, one thing still puzzles me a bit. The remarkable change in him on that morning three weeks ago... I'd never heard him talk like that before. And whatever the reason for it, I'm quite sure it was something that happened that morning before he came to the office.
3: My name is John Oxford. I've been a conductor on the Westminster route for some 14 years now. And during all that time, Mr Bell has been a daily passenger of mine on the early morning inbound run. As I recall it, the first time anything you might say, well, out of the way ever happened between us, was one morning about three weeks ago. I saw Mr. Bell waiting at the usual place, so I signalled the driver to a stop. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Bell. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll be right there. Yeah, now, let me uh, come down and help you up, sir. Uh, no, I'll make it. If you'll just take my arm, Mr. Huxford. My, my arm, please. But I I... I have taken it, Mr.
4: Bell. Oh, yes, of course. I'm sorry. There here. Oh. Here we go. Here we are, sir. Oh, thank you. I uh, had a bit of a shock this morning. I, I'm quite all right now. Well, if it's all right now, then it's fine, I'd say. Uh, you take hold of that strap there now. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, just a moment. I have the fare here somewhere. Oh, yes, here you are. Thank you, sir. No, no, thank you. Well, I... I don't quite understand what you mean, sir. Mr. Huxford, have you ever had anyone take your arm and help you up a flight of steps?
3: No, and I might say I hope the day never comes when I... I,
4: Well, I... Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Not at all. Thank you, Mr. Huxford. Thank you very much.
3: I don't rightly know what was wrong with him, though it's certain that something was. As I haven't seen him for nearly three weeks now. I can't imagine what it might have been that happened to him... that morning, before he got on the bus.
7: My name is Jenkins... and I've been Mr Bell's personal valet... for the past twelve years and seven months. The master is travelling somewhere on the continent just at present. Been gone something over two weeks now. Decided rather suddenly, I believe... In fact, I rather think something happened one morning about three weeks ago that caused him to make up his mind, though I really haven't the faintest idea what it might have been. I can remember noticing a very strange look on his face when he came down to breakfast that morning, but I thought nothing of it at the time. Uh, good, Good morning, Jenkins. Good morning, sir. I trust you had a pleasant night's rest. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Thanks, Jenkins. Uh, you'll be having the usual? Orange juice? Toast? No, 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 no. I want nothing except some coffee. Very well, sir. I'll bring it right away.
4: I can't let him find out. I can't let anyone find out about it. Maybe it's a little better now. Maybe it's going away. Maybe I'm giving it too much importance. No. No, it's still there. That same lack of feeling, clear down the whole right side of my body. There. I can move my arms, my leg, all right. There's no feeling in them. They're numb. It's simply that at 52 years of age, I've had a light stroke.
7: Your coffee, sir. Oh, thank you, Jenkins. Uh, would you care for something more, sir? No, no, no that's all. Uh, if you pardon me, sir, you, you don't seem quite yourself this morning. I, I do hope you're not ill. Oh, no, no, I'm quite all right, Jenkins. I uh, hope you won't mind my saying this, Mr. Bell... ...but you don't take very good care of yourself anymore. Oh, now, Jenkins... It's been years now since you had a check-up, sir. Not since the mistress passed away, in fact. I'm quite all right, Jenkins. I'm quite all right. Uh, then, uh, I'm relieved to hear it, sir. I'll bring your paper now.
4: Good Lord! Is this what a man slaves his life away for? To end up helpless, dependent upon others... ...to be wheeled about put out in the sun, taken in, like some great fat lava, was oh, disgusting. But I've got to face it. This stroke is the first warning. There'll be others, worse ones. And in a short time, I'll be helpless. Oh, there must be some way out. Not suicide, but some way. There's got
8: to be some way.
2: The icy wall hardens into cold, vitreous steel as the dusk-born shadows chill its surface. The merciless ice is beginning to freeze the cramped joints of the man's fingers now, and the heavy axe swings idly at his belt, tracing a fumbling pattern on the thin air of the void. How much longer now can he cling to those slots in the glacier's face? How much longer does he have to live? Thirty seconds? A minute? What's the margin of safety now? And what does a man think of while his pulse beats slower and he waits to die?
4: Strange how I'm able to go on hanging to this slope, clinging on to life, when I can't feel another ounce of strength left in me. I was right, dying isn't so bad really, not when it's like this, it's rather pleasant in fact. It looks so soft down there, the shadows and the snow, and the wind. Perhaps I could let go and float out in the wind like an eagle, I'd be blown along by it like drifting snow. Ah, the sun's gone now, It'll be full dark in a few minutes. Maybe I can hold on that long, till everything is dark, even the snow and the ice. Who knows? Perhaps I'll watch the sunrise tomorrow and set again. And even beyond... Oh, no, no. I can't last even one full minute longer. I'm through. I'm finished. I can't even last half a minute. Hmm? Chips of ice sliding over the edge. Funny how a glacier sheds off that way. And I suppose the difference in temperature between day and... Wait axe that was an axe no other sound in the world like it It fell from up above the overhang there There must be somebody up there on the slopes coming down from the top Ah! there is wait that's five six seven eight nine ten It's a mountaineer's call for help. Someone's dropped his axe and he's in trouble up there. It's right above this bulge. If I can only... No. Throat's too dry. Well, six more steps to cut to reach the edge there. All right. Six more steps. Now, five more... Just about does it. The last step.
5: Hey, cut her off and let me go. There's no use.
7: God, it's a woman.
4: Take it easy there Everything's going to be all right
5: Oh, thank heaven I don't know where you came from but Thank heaven you, you're here
4: Here, here Easy now Let's get a step out for your feet here I was just below the overhang there Heard the fellow up above call out He's got quite a voice on him
5: It's my husband Oh, please, Harry
4: Easy now have a step out here in a second. You can put your feet on it. You get your breath. Then we'll tackle the slope. And now. Uh, that's it. I'll just scrape all this ice away. Uh, easy there. Uh, oh, that's better, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, you're all right now. You just lean there. And when you feel like it, we'll go on up. Oh, my name is Christopher Bell, by the way.
5: I'm Anna Garland. Oh, thank you. I, I thought we were done... Uh, I was cutting steps down uh, ahead in the slope, and I slipped and dropped my axe. Uh, the rope held me, but neither of us dared to move.
4: Uh, well, you're all right now. As soon as you rest a minute, we'll cut some more steps back up the slope. You know, you shouldn't have started down this way. You'd never have been able to pass that bulge.
5: Yes, I can see that now. Of course, it's it's harder to tell when you're moving down slope.
4: Yes, I suppose it is.
5: You... You were coming up the slope, weren't you?
4: Yes, I, uh, I came up from the foot.
5: Alone and, and without a rope. And, and you deliberately climb onto the underside of an overhanging wall. Uh,
4: let's just say we're both foolhardy.
5: <laughs> Is that what you call it?
4: Well, if you've got your breath back now, suppose we, we start up the slope. Yes,
0: My name is Theodore Gollin, and I am the husband of the woman who slipped and fell on the wall of the glacier. I'm a physician, formerly of Harley Street, London. I've practiced in Paris for several years now. I met Mr. Bell when he and my wife reached the ice ledge where I stood waiting above them. I was not immediately aware of his trouble, but found out about it a short time later when we reached the rest hut at the top of the ridge. While my wife heated water for tea at the far side of the room, Bell and I fell into a much more personal conversation than strangers normally do. This sometimes happens when people have
4: been very close to death. Well, at any rate, Dr. Garland, you can see how it is. The life of an invalid doesn't seem very appealing to me. Mm, tell me something, Mr. Bell.
0: Yes?
4: I gather you were pretty well done in when I called
0: out there in the glacier. Couldn't lift a hand... Then how do you account for being able to chop six steps into that ice in a matter of some five minutes?
4: I, I don't know exactly. I was through. I couldn't have lasted 30 seconds more. But when I realized somebody was in danger, I forgot about it. Mm, and this numbness, this um, lack of feeling in your right side, didn't bother you? No, I didn't notice. Uh, it isn't quite so bad even now. Mm. There's your answer, Mr. Bell. I don't believe I follow you. Action! When you were in action, working because you had a reason, living because you had to, because somebody was depending on you, then you were all right. Everything was back in its place again. Perhaps. But a man can't spend all his time climbing up a mountain.
9: Oh,
4: I don't
0: mean physical action, movement. Call it incentive, if you like. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Incentive, eh? It's the one top pressure that keeps life moving and growing. Hmm it's what you need. Well, it's an interesting theory, Doctor. But mm. It's only a theory, hmm?
6: I'll
5: have the tea ready in a moment. Anybody interested?
4: I am, my dear. Lucky we brought it. If no one minds, I, I, I believe I'll have a turn outside while we're waiting. Uh, be careful out there in the dark. The ridge breaks off pretty sharply here. Oh, I'll be careful. Uh, Dr. Gollan, if things were turned around, I wonder if it'd be any more than just a theory to you. I'm over here, Mrs. Gull.
5: Beautiful, isn't it? With the stars so clear and bright.
4: Yes. Well, there won't be many more clear nights before the winter storms.
5: It would be a shame to give it up, you and I. What do you mean? I've got to say this quickly. We're not the kind to commit suicide, you and I. What? You deliberately climbed into a dead end out on that glacier. And, uh, I did the same thing. I went ahead and I picked the route down that slope. Sure, no, you... wait, wait. In 30 seconds, I would have cut myself loose from that rope. Oh, we went to an awful lot of trouble so we wouldn't have to call it suicide.
2: You, but
5: why? I have a brain condition. There's no point in going into it, but it's incurable. Sooner or later, at any moment, I shall go blind. Oh, no. My husband doesn't know about it, and I don't want him to know. I'll make a bargain with you.
4: What sort of bargain?
5: I'm not brave, really. To go on living, I need something to cling to. I need to know all the time that there's someone else with courage, too. Mr. Bell, I'll go on living, if you will.
4: I'd say you're amazingly brave.
5: If I were, I... I could do it alone, without having to make myself dependent on you and on your courage.
4: That sort of thing would work both ways. I wouldn't dare let you down.
5: Nor could I you. Do you want to make that bargain? Shall we go on living, Mr. Bell?
0: As I said before, I am Dr. Theda Gullen... I met Mr. Bell some three hours ago on the Chaliouch Glacier. At the moment, he's outside the hut, a few yards away, talking to my wife. I can hear the sound of their voices, but I can't make out the words. However, I know what they're talking about and what his answer will be. My wife and I discussed that before she went to join him. Uh, you may have heard of my wife, incidentally, but it would likely have been under the stage name she uses in the Paris Theatre. You see, she's she's quite a talented actress.
1: Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Tonight we have presented Action by C.E. Montague, adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns as Mr. Bell, with Maria Palmer, Wilms Herbert, Ben Wright, Jeff Corey, Tudor Owen, and Bill Johnstone. Special music arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch.
0: Next week you are trapped in the native quarter of Mozambique with the police closing in on you while at your feet lie two dead men and standing beside you is a sultry girl who offers you escape <music>
1: Next week, we escape with a gripping story by Percival Gibbon, entitled Second Class Passenger. Be with us next week at this same time when once again we offer you Escape. And now stay tuned for Casey, crime photographer, to hear the story of Durable Dennis... It'll be along in just a few moments on most of these same CBS stations. This is Tip Corning speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
10: Are trapped
0: in the native quarter of Mozambique with the police closing in on you, while at your feet lie two dead men and standing beside you is a sultry girl who offers you escape.
1: We offer you escape designed to free you from the four walls of today. For a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to Mozambique in Southeast Africa and a fantastic series of adventures as Percival Gibbon tells it in his story of the second class passenger.
9: That's me, Ronald A. Dawson's second-class passenger. Oh, I could have afforded first-class by pinching a little here and there, but nobody back at Ralston's department store in Cedar Rapids will ever know. The important thing is they'll say, Ronald Dawson in drapery is taking a cruise around the world. And then there's really very little difference in the accommodations. And the second-class passengers are every bit as interesting as the first-class crowd. Hey, Miss Patterson, for instance, you'd look far to find a more charming, likable, and altogether uh, desirable young lady just the life of the party.
11: (laughs) We'd gotten to be
9: quite good friends by the time our cruise put in at Mozambique. Although the competition was always stiff, I can tell you. There were times when I wished those other two, Jones and Twitchell, had missed the boat somewhere along the line. Well,
11: we still a good couple of hours before we sail. I say, how about a ride in one of those native carriages, Miss Patterson?
8: Oh, do you think they'd be clean? Oh,
11: personally, I doubt it.
8: Oh, really, Mr. Dawson? Well, I don't know if I'd care too much now. That Wozo made me woozy. <laughs>
10: Great stuff, a Wozo. It would take a Greek to think of a drink like that.
11: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you drink it. <laughs> Miss Patterson, you kill me. <laughs> <laughs> we might do the fort, you know. The guidebook says it's a main point of interest. Hello? Let's see. Built by the Portuguese in 1640...
8: Oh, never mind the statistics. I dare say the fort's as dreary as the rest of this place. Yes.
11: Mozambique's not at all like uh, what you'd imagine... Uh, Mozambique to be like. What? Hmm.
6: (laughs) (laughs) It's a one-horse town, all right. Main street and a couple of alleys. and so jerky.
8: (laughs) You know, you'd think they'd do something about it in this day and age.
6: Well, it'll
9: be a relief to get back on board ship and have a nice hot bath. And real
10: American food instead of that greasy fried octopus we had for lunch at that Greek
11: place.
8: (laughs) No, yes, weren't they awful? (laughs) They're part of the
11: broadening experience
8: of travel, huh? Yes, I suppose so. Like that cute idol I bought. You know, I just can't wait till I... Mr. Dawson?
9: Yes, Miss Patterson?
8: Where's my
9: idol? Why, I uh, why I, I thought True. Jones had it, or, or Twitchell.
8: Not me, old man. Oh, no, why uh, you insisted
11: on carrying it for uh, Miss Patterson. I, I don't you remember? Oh, dear.
9: Oh, dear. I, I must have left it back at the Greek restaurant. I'm so sorry.
8: I did so want that idol. Do you think you could go back for it, Mr. Dawson?
9: Well, yes, Miss Patterson, uh, of course. That is... Though no, I, I wonder if I'll have time before the boat sails. Oh,
8: I'm sure you will, if you hurry.
9: Certainly, old man. you got more than an hour yet. Well, I, I rather thought it I, be I, I'd... It like... terribly
8: nice of you.
9: Yes, well, I'll go at once.
8: Oh, you are so kind, my dear Mr. Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you don't miss the boat. Oh,
9: goodness, I, I'll try not to. Why, chances are I'll catch up with you before you reach the landing stage.
8: All right, and we'll wait for you till the very last... I could have
9: throttled that supercilious Jones Insisting I had time I knew there was time But I had no desire to run off after a heavy bronze curio And leave Jones and Twitchell alone with Miss Patterson She was too nice a person And they were such dreadful bores Yes, and I suspected them of being phonies, too But there was no helping it now, so I made my way back up the main street toward Lazarus Restaurant, where we'd had our indigestible Greek lunch. Somehow this main street of Mozambique looked different now in the quick African twilight. The little saloons and the sidewalks were filling with men of every nationality and color and many of them wore knives thrust through the belts of their thin white suits. Knives that looked as sharp as the glances they threw at me. And I, I, I must confess, I felt a little strange and unwanted. And then, lounging toward me in the crowd, I saw a large woman clad in a sort of burnous, but her brown face was unveiled. Her lips were painted scarlet, and from the corner of her mouth dangled a cigarette. Her eyes were heavily mascaraed, and when she looked at me, terror seized me. I was afraid she would speak to me, and I, I, I didn't know what I should do or say, but she didn't. Instead. Ah! And the way the loiterers responded, I was convinced that they were laughing with her at me. I, I must say, I, I was relieved to reach the entrance of Lazarus' restaurant.
10: Hey,
11: good evening, sir. Uh, a little uh, dinner for the gentleman. Well, uh,
9: no. Uh, no, thank you. You see, uh, well, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I just lunched here today. And very good, excellent oh, meal. Hey,
11: Maristola.
9: Yes, well, I, I I left a curio here probably under the table. Did you find it? Eh? Uh, a uh, curio? Yes, some sort of a bronze god. <laughs> it, it was wrapped in uh, newspaper. Ah, uh,
7: yes. We got him right here
9: for you. Oh, have you? Well, uh, that's good. I'm in a hurry to get back to the boat. Yes, you better hurry. Pretty soon she rain. Rain? Why, there's not a cloud in the sky. You see. Every night she rains in Mozambique. Uh, Yes, well, you ought to know, but I still doubt it if... (laughs) Yes, well, here, buy yourself a cigar.
7: Ah, Aristo, Aristo. Yes. You hurry quick
11: before she rains. Oh,
9: don't worry about me. I, I, I'm not made of sugar, you know. Well, in, in just the few moments I had been inside the restaurant, night had fallen. That sudden nightfall of the tropics. I looked overhead and clearly saw the stars. Thinking what a bad weather forecaster that Greek was, I tucked Miss Patterson's silly bronze idol under my arm and started off for the waterfront. I hadn't gone 200 yards when a large, warm drop of rain splattered on the back of my neck and then two more on my hat. And before I could take cover under an arch, it was raining like Iowa in April. It didn't look like it would let up soon, and I wondered if there might not be a shorter way to the waterfront than the long walk down the main street and then the long way to the left along the docks. Surely one of these alleys that turned off to the left would lead me directly to the harbor and the landing stage. So I left the protection of the archway and turned into the alley at my left. Four steps from the main street, and I was engulfed in darkness wading through filth and mud over my ankles. But I was certain that I was on the right track, so I walked... (coughs) straight into a blank wall. I turned to retrace my steps, but I could see no lights anywhere. I felt along the wall until it gave into another alley, followed it to another blank wall, and then into another one. Now it began to rain in earnest. I stopped, looked about me. Not a light, not a sound, except the rush of rain. And then, slowly, a sickening fear flowed through me as I realized that I was completely, hopelessly lost.
1: For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of an angle, the job may be lost. Every Friday night, reigning stars and rising stars of show business bring their best acts to CBS and get advice for improvement from three top showmen Clifton Fadiman, Abe Burroughs, and Broadway playwright director George S. Kaufman. It provides an unparalleled hour of entertainment, plus an unusual look at the inside of show business. The program, This is Broadway. The time, Friday nights. The station, most of these same CBS network stations. Don't miss, this is Broadway. And now, we return to the second act of Escape and tonight's story, Second Class Passenger by Percival Gibbon.
9: I stood alone and frightened in the tortuous back alleys of Mozambique. Alone. Frightened and lost. If it was dark before, it was now black as a tomb. I struggled on through the rain. I, I don't know how far I walked through those foul and fetid passageways, nor for how long. But at last, feeling my way around the corner, I I saw a slit of light, a horizontal flicker beckoning beneath the door. And I heard voices... I I moved forward, feeling my way. Hands outstretched before me. I found the door, lifted the bronze idol, and wrapped it against the wet black wood. The voices stopped. What do you want? I've lost my way. I'm wet through, and I don't know where I am. Would you please let me in?
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course you may come in. You aren't exactly who we expected, but come in. Come in.
12: What is that?
9: I... I beg your pardon?
12: That parcel you are carrying.
9: Oh, oh, this... This it, it, it's a curio, an, an idol of some sort. A friend of mine left it at a restaurant. You just down...
10: are a tourist from the cruise boat. Why,
9: yes, yes, that's right. How did you know?
10: What are you doing here? So late, so wet. The boat sails soon. Uh,
9: yes, yes, I know. I, I I was trying to take a shortcut to the landing stage, and I got lost somehow. You see, I, I, I came ashore with some friends from the second class. I I left them to come back and fetch this idol.
10: Give the young man a chair, Yagun. Oh,
9: thank you. No, but I, I must go on. If you can just direct you me to You could never find your if... way in this rain. It will not stop for a while yet.
10: You may as well wait here. Well, that's that awfully band, kind, uh, but... If... We may be able to provide some... Uh, Entertainment for our second-class tourists <laughs> as no soon ruling. as Marlene's yeah. friends arrive.
12: Friends? The police are not my friends.
10: You led them to us.
12: You are responsible for the police search, not I. Uh, please, you do You have been must... stupid, to kill a man for no reason. Stupid,
11: am I? You
12: use a knife... You get caught, you go to prison. So why don't you talk
7: with the prefect of police again? Uh, if, if you could One just give me directions. For living, I. for leaving
12: a gun with work, sometimes with jail. I have paid. Now it is your turn. You
10: could help us once more. Only once more. We could be out of this sewer and down the coast to Lorenzo Marquis or... Cape Town. Why don't don't you help us once more?
12: Yes, why? Why will you say once more, once more, now there is no more?
10: You are a she pig, a defiled and debauched daughter. I beg
9: your pardon, sir. What? That's no way to speak to a lady.
10: What? I'm serious.
9: I don't like to hear such language used to a lady. I must ask you to
7: apologize. What
10: have you got to do with all this?
7: You just came in out of the rain from the second class.
12: Don't fight with him. There's trouble enough already. But
10: what right does he got to come in here?
12: Yesterday you stabbed the Egyptian.
10: Ah, what of it?
12: Don't stab this one. Oh, yes. You want the police to find you here with a corpse?
11: A corpse? What does it matter how the police find us? We wait for them. Because we have no choice. You put them on us. We should do away with you.
12: Why do you lie, even to yourself? Why must you hide your own blame behind my skirts? You are not man nor beast. You are just... Don't go on. Don't you dare
11: say Dare?
12: You are just a cochon. No one says that to me and the other night. Heave,
11: heave, heave. you know you don't.
10: you maddling American fool. You have killed him. Stand back,
9: stand back, or I'll brain you with this idol.
10: With my own hands, I'll... He forgot I carry a
12: knife.
9: I've killed a man with this little curio. And you've killed another with your knife. Two men murdered... I, I must get back to the ship. The
12: sheep we can worry about later. First we must get out of here. The police will arrive the any police? minute. Yes. Come, it is not raining so hard now. Yes.
10: I... Oh. Quiet. It is the police.
12: They have come for these two. They will be on both sides of it here.
10: Hold my hand.
12: Stand perfectly still. I will tell you when it's safe to move. No, They are all around us so they won't hear us. Come, now.
10: Where are we going?
12: We are escaping. But if you know from what we are escaping, you would not care where. Hurry. Hang on to my hand and hurry. They found the bodies. Now they are after us. What will we do? There is a door nearby. We must find it. Feel along the wall here. Farther... Farther, it must be here.
11: Yes,
9: yes, here it is. Push, push it in. It won't budge. It's bolted from you inside. You must
12: push it in. It's the only way. All
9: right, I... Not
12: yet. Hit it again. Once it... Once more. God, my friend, my great strong friend. Up these stairs now, quickly. Yes.
9: Where are we going now? To the
12: roof. Wait.
9: The rain has stopped. Yes, the, the stars are coming out. Look,
12: across the rooftops,
9: there is your ship out in the harbor. I must get to it.
10: Brothers, put on the key. You hear them?
12: We are not safe yet. Over the wall to the next roof. Hurry. Now, over the next parapet. Up, you oh. go.
9: Are you all right?
12: Yes. Come up, quietly. Oh.
9: What? that over there? A tent? Over oh, a sword,
12: yes. You're not where the people sleep on the roofs. You must walk like a rat.
9: Who are they?
12: Who knows? If they see us, they will think you have come for the women.
9: But we could say <laughs> that. There would ra- be nothing
12: to say. Shh. Someone's crawling out of the tent.
9: Yes, a, a man with a sheet wrapped around him. He's coming this way. Yes. Why doesn't he see us? His eyes
12: are clouded with sleep, perhaps. If he sees us, we... it will be too late.
9: Well then, you won't. There, that took the fight out of him.
12: This my little knife, just a prick, in his quite
9: No, 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 he's still enough. Now, he can't oh, harm oh, us. It was splendid,
12: with only the bare hands to make an armed man armed.
9: I didn't know he was armed. Of
12: course. That you may
9: always be sure. Look.
12: There in his belt. A dagger. Yes. You are truly magnificent, my friend. You are a man.
9: And you... Yes. You are a wonderful woman.
12: I was wondering when you would kiss me. When you took offense at what the Russian said to me, I knew you would. But I wondered, soon.
9: Yes. Yes, I suppose I knew, too, in a way. At least I thought how much I'd like to. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have had the courage before all this. I suppose.
12: Courage. Your courage is of the lion. Your strength is of the My great. boat. What? My
9: boat. I, I I, mustn't miss it.
12: You want to go back to the second class?
9: Well, that's what I was trying to do when I knocked on your door. I've I missed my dinner as it is.
12: <laughs> missed your dinner. Yes, that is so. But haven't you gained something else? What? Me. Look. Oh. Now, look at me. Is it nothing, friend, that you have saved me for yourself? If you conquer men as though you were bred on the roofs of Mozambique. You fight like a hero, a rush, a blow, a tumble, and you have them lying at your feet.
9: I'd fight. I'd fight for you as long as as long as there was anyone to fight.
12: You would. I know you would.
9: You lead on. Where? Wherever you will. Come. You know, I don't expect anyone to believe this. Looking back, I'm still unsure that it really happened to me. It's as though I dreamed it. I don't know how many roofs we crossed after that, a dozen, perhaps maybe 20. I don't even remember the great ship lying out in the harbor, her lights blinking with the comforts of civilization. All my senses were focused on this slim, breathtaking figure leading me across the rooftops to a shadowy destination in which only one thing was certain. She would be there. I suppose in that moment armed only with the blood-stained bronze idol, I was invincible. At last she led me down a creaking wooden stair that hung precariously on the sheer side of a house, and once more we were in the mud of a gloomy alley. We made our way down the alley and out into a little square where... A night breeze rustled in the palms and smelled of the sea. And across the way, a dim light showed through a big open door.
12: The little church of San Sebastian.
10: Oh.
9: Espera. ¿Dónde vas? Nada, please.
10: After all this. No tratan fugir.
12: ¿Qué pretende vos comím?
10: Tengo comisión de trago, ma senorita.
12: ¿Por qué hay Nada.
10: Tal vez. Esperamos. Ya vamos. Oh,
12: Capitaneo oh, Pepe, non posiva defensa. Non este
10: occasione, Signorini, Indo con la policy.
12: What does he want? He says he won't let me go. With the devil, he
10: won't. What does he want you for? Oh, my
12: friend, these little policemen, they always arrest me when they get a chance. It is
10: tiresome. Vamos, you no! Your hands off her. Leave her alone. I I you.
12: Oh. Run! Run before he can get to his feet. Yes. No, no, not that way. Into the
10: church to
12: sanctuary. Shut My magnificent one, you fear no one. you fight for me as long as there is anyone to fight. Yes. Now there will always be someone to fight. They will never leave us alone. Will
9: they follow us in here?
12: These police might do anything. I'll one door. They will not dare follow us through. What is that? Come on. This way. Here. This door. First, I must, must wrap my skirts close. Now, come cleanly through the middle. Do not, please, do not rub the world as you come. No, no. There. We are safe for a while. They will not follow us through that door. Why not? It was the door of the unclean, the door of the lepers. The door of the...
9: It is all right.
12: We didn't touch the portal. No. See, at the far end of the alley are the lights of the waterfront.
9: Yes. Where do we go now?
12: And we have a little time now to breathe the clean air of the harbor and... Then I know a little cafe will wait.
8: <laughs> Someone is
12: coming. Step back <laughs> in the shadow until he
8: passes. No, I've never seen such a rainstorm. <laughs> it certainly
11: was something right home of our own. Listen, life. what is it? I wonder what's happened to good old Dawson. Densed,
8: no doubt, right? Oh, I do hope he's found my idol.
9: The idol? I. I, I must return the idol. No,
12: don't. My friend, this is the greatest Please, danger of all
11: stand here and wait any longer for him. No, of course not. we we've missed dinner as it
8: is. Goodbye. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. Hello there. Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Dawson. Well, I,
11: I got here before you,
9: it appears.
8: Oh, did you find the idol?
9: Yes, but well, for a moment there I was afraid I should miss the boat. I say, old boy. Well, you're, you're a bit uh, disheveled.
8: What? what? I, yes,
9: I... Got caught in the rain.
8: My idol. Oh, Mr. Dawson, you got it all dirty.
9: Yes, it is a bit must. I dropped it once or twice, I fear.
8: That was clumsy of you.
9: Nothing that a little soap and water won't put to rights, I dare say.
8: Well... We'd better hurry along. I'd hate to spend any more time in this dreadful place.
11: Well, so should I.
8: Ooh. There's the whistle. That's the last warning no down Come on, everybody. Uh, come on. Yeah, oh, yes,
11: yes, yes. Uh, are you coming, Dawson? Uh, don't stand there mooning. We'll, we'll miss the boat. Yes, 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 in just a moment. Uh, I, I say, uh, is that someone standing over there in the shadow of that alley? I'm not sure. I thought for a moment... I could have sworn that I saw you wave goodbye to someone.
9: Well, perhaps I did. To Mozambique, to adventure and romance.
11: What? Oh, I say, that's good. (laughs) That's very good. Adventure. (laughs) Romance. What? In this pest (laughs) hole? Mitchell, what would you say if I told
9: you I had just killed a man, fled over the rooftops of the city, made love to a beautiful woman, fought the police, escaped through the leper's gate, and...
11: heavens, Dawson. I'd said that you had the wildest imagination I'd ever heard of. Nothing like that ever happens to a second-class passenger. What? Huh?
9: No. I. I suppose you're right. Nothing like that ever happens to a second-class passenger.
11: Come on, Dawson! We'll miss the boat.
1: Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Tonight we have presented Second Class Passenger by Percival Gibbon and adapted for radio by William N. Robeson. Featured in the cast were Parley Bear as Mr. Dawson and Georgia Ellis as Marlene with Paul Dubove, Ben Wright, Vivi Janice, John Daner, Edgar Barrier and Nestor Piva. Special music arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Next week, you are located
0: on a remote plantation in the crawling Amazon jungle and an immense army of ravenous ants is closing in on you, swarming in to eat you alive. A deadly black army from which there is no escape.
1: Next week, we escape with Carl Stevenson's terrifying story... Line Engine versus the Ants. Be with us next week at the same time when once again we offer you Escape. <laughs>